Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Fountain Church Podcast. Our prayer is that God speaks to you in a real and powerful way. So go ahead, grab your Bible, grab a notepad and your coffee, and let's dive in. I want to speak to you today around this idea of betrayed but not beaten. Betrayed but not beaten. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that as we dive into your word today, God, that you would speak to us. Lord, even my prayer this morning is that, Lord, we don't uh, need any fabrication. Uh, we're not here to put on, we're not here to entertain. We're not here to put on a show. God, we need the power of God. We need to encounter you, Jesus, in a real way. And so, Lord, I just pray that as the gospel goes forth, that the power, that your power would be demonstrated in our lives and in our heart, that we would never be the same, God. And so come, Holy Spirit, use my mouth for your glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, I I don't know about you, but there's been moments in my life where I've had expectations. I've had some expectations around uh, for people or from people uh, around certain circumstances. I've had some expectations of God. And how many of you guys have ever had some expectations in maybe people, maybe in circumstances, maybe in God, and, and you've been let down? Maybe you've even been betrayed. Now, now betrayal is interesting because some of you guys have been betrayed. Many of us have been betrayed in, in certain ways, but there's been some big betrayals in this room that you've had to go through, that you've had to walk through. Some of you guys are still living in that space. But then there's also perceived betrayals, meaning we think we've been pre- uh, betrayed, but it's not what we perceive. Like we, we've got it backwards. We don't see the full picture. And so we live as if there is a betrayal, but there's really not. Are you guys tracking with me? But it's the worst. It's the worst when you have an expectation and then you feel duped. Like some of you guys started dating and you thought dating would be a, a particular way and then you got into it. You're like, whoa, like this is, this is not what I expected. Some of you guys got married and, and, and now you're, you're a little ways in. You're like, I didn't sign up for this. And so we can have these expectations and there's nothing worse then when you have an expectation and it's not fulfilled, there's nothing worse than putting your trust in someone and something and being betrayed. So, so recently, let me uh, give you a little backdrop. We, we got a, a dog. Many of you guys know we got a dog recently. His name is Sedek. It means righteousness or the righteous one in Hebrew. And, uh, and so he's a working dog. Like This guy is a legit like police dog. His parents are from Holland. And, and I'm so excited to get him. We got, he has a great bloodline, incredible dog. And everybody that told us when you're going to get a dog like this, it's a lot of work. Like you have to train him mentally. You have to train him physically. It's a lot of work. And they need a job. Like a lab will just kind of hang out and enjoy themselves, right? This dog, he needs a job. He's a working dog. So we counted the cost, totally prepared for that. But what I wasn't prepared for was we brought him home. Two days later, he started to throw up. No, that's what puppies do, right? So we're just thinking, oh, he might, maybe he ate something or whatever the case may be. So we just go on. He seems to have a lot of good energy. He's training well. So let's just keep moving. And, and so, so anyway, so then he starts to throw up kind of perpetually and consistently. We're like, man, I, I don't know if this is normal, right? I'm, like, I'm not like a good dog dad yet, but I'm not sure if this is, this is normal. And then we find blood in his stool. And so then we're like, I'm not a doctor, but something is wrong. So by the grace of God, we have pet insurance, puppy insurance. Believe it or not, it exists. I'm so grateful that it does. And so, so we take him to the vet, and, and they, we, we take a sample of his stool, and they, bring, they, they give us the results. They said, oh, man, it's, it's bad. They said that he, he has 
a lot of this particular thing. We're like, what, what particular thing is that? And so they, they call it Giardia. So any, anybody that, that has a dog, you may be familiar with Giardia. It's, it's, it's the G. Nobody wants the G. Because what Giardia is, it's a parasite that manifests itself in vomiting and diarrhea. So I, I was prepared to deal with, you know, the work and the training and all that stuff, but I didn't sign up for throw up and diarrhea. That, I, I, that was not what... I was expecting. And, and because we, he got it so fast, in my mind, I'm like, man, they knew this dog was sick, and they, they still let me buy this dog. Like, you know, just, you know, you, you start, you get some perceptions. And so, uh, so anyways, it, it, it was, it's, it's been brutal. Like, we would literally wake up at 5 in the morning, and, and he's covered. And you got to clean the dog, and you got to clean the cage. you got to disinfect everything, because if he licks one little aspect of it, he can reinfect himself over and over and over. So he's on antibiotics, all these different things. I didn't sign up for this. And so, so thank you for letting me vent this morning. I, I appreciate it. And, and so Jackie and I were getting up every day, and I was looking at her like, babe, I, I just, we, I did not expect this. And so long story short, uh, by the grace of God, we've been navigating this whole thing with this dog. And then on top of that, yesterday, my wife, how many of you guys know your spouse can betray you? And your spouse can betray you in some big ways, some serious ways. And then your spouse can also betray you in some not so serious ways. This is a not so serious way. So, so we're driving yesterday and, and I said, hey, babe, well, we're not driving, we're parked. I said, hey, babe, do I have flakes in my hair? It's a long story. Gel, you can kind of piece it together. I was like, do I have flakes in my hair? Do you see flakes? So she proceeds to say, oh, no worries. She, she takes the hand sanitizer and sprays my head. <laughs> Who sprays hand sanitizer on your head? So I look at her like, what are you doing? Well, I'm just, I'm, you know, putting some moisture on your head. That's not moisture. Like this COVID thing has got you messed up, right? Don't spray that in my head ever again. Uh, but, but in all seriousness, some of us are walking through some deep betrayal. Like we're walking through some deep pain. Some of us are in it. Some of us, it's recent. Some of us are walking through it. Some of us are trying to survive it. And we're struggling at a deep level. Inc. Magazine came out with a little article. And these were the things that people who have been betrayed said, if you want to know where you're at, if you want to know where somebody is at when they've been betrayed, they said, this is what we're feeling. They said, we, we walk around and we deny truth because to face truth is to relive that pain and it's just way too tough to deal with that. So we just try to, you know, mask and cover and do whatever we can to just not have to think about it or deal with it. Uh, we've, we're experiencing loss, not just one loss in the betrayal, but an ongoing loss, a perpetual loss, because we're reminded every single day of things um, that point us right back to what we are missing. They said, we're hurting. Our anger, it brews. So we live with this constant brewing anger. Sometimes it's better than others, but there's always a subtle brewing underneath. We lose our illusions. This one, this one broke my heart. What they're saying is this. We used to think that life had, like there was, there was purpose, but we don't believe that illusion anymore. We don't, we don't, we don't, we, we lost our illusion. So now we're just kind of living that life is just messed up. Um, we forgive, but we don't forget. How many of you guys know it's easier to forgive an enemy than to forgive a friend sometimes? or a spouse. We struggle to trust. We're, we're, this one breaks my heart too. We're ex we experience everything different because the pain is always right there to remind us. 
It's always close at hand to remind us. So now even as we live life and as we experience different things, we're just, we experience life a lot differently. We hold on to doubt. It's really hard to grab a hold on to faith. We live in sadness and we're working to break the chain. We know we can't be the victim forever, but it feels good to be the victim. But even though we don't want to be the victim, we're working really hard not to be the victim, working hard to break the chain, but it's so hard to do. So as you can see, betrayal, it's very complicated. It's very painful. It's very complex. And and there's a fight. There's there's a battle. And like I said, all of us have experienced betrayal at some level. And it's so important. Listen, whether it's a perceived betrayal, meaning you think you've been betrayed, but you really haven't, or it's a real betrayal, they both create the same type of emotion, perspective, perspective. So so they kind of run in the same race. So whether it's a perceived betrayal that you're experiencing, meaning circumstances in life is just not going how you thought. And so maybe you're looking at God like, really? And it almost feels like God has betrayed you. Even though God could never betray you. How many of you guys have ever felt like that? Like, man, God, I just, I don't see you working in this one. But it's so important that we deal with this. If you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down, that if we don't deal with betrayal, we may become the betrayer. And I really felt like, like God impressed this on my heart because we, we know that hurt people hurt people. And the longer that we stay in our pain, and, and let me just say for the record, if you have been wounded deeply by betrayal, I am not trying to make light of your situation, and I'm not even going to really give you a, 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 a totality of a solution today. Like, you, you, there's no such thing as, hey, here's three steps to how you get rid of betrayal. But, but I want to give you some, some questions to ponder because as our anger is, 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 is lingering, as our frustration is not dealt with, as our pain continues to spread, we may find ourselves becoming the very thing that we hate. The very thing that wounded us, we now start to become to other people, right? Because as we're harboring all this stuff on the inside, it's easy to start to betray other people, hurt other people. It's easy to betray and lie to yourself and even betray the Lord. How many of you have ever been through a tough season and all of a sudden, in those tough seasons, one of two things happen. We run to God or we run away from him. And sometimes it feels so much easier just to say, you know what, God? See ya. And so we can find ourselves, if we don't deal with this, we can find ourselves in that place. Now, let me talk about a perceived betrayal. So, so the vet, um, you know, we, we've been working with, it, with this vet, sweet people. I feel like we're best friends now. We're talking all the time. And, uh, and so, so last week, I thought we were making progress. And then all of a sudden, wake up, throw up, diarrhea, blood. I was like, Lord, I, I got a job. Like, I can't. I can't do it. I was just, I was devastated. So grabbed the stool sample, took it back and dropped it off to the vet. So I talked to the nurse and she's like, well, listen, we're going to take the stool sample just in case it comes back negative. We may have to run some other tests. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. it's not going to be negative. Like these are the same symptoms he had before. I'm not a doctor, but I think it's going to be, this actually seems worse. Okay, sir, well, like I said, if, if it comes back negative, we're going to have to run. No, you're just trying to get me for some more money. I know what you're doing. He has this stuff again. I just need some more antibiotics. So, I, I'm, you know, I'm a pastor, but I'm human. I'm like, this person's trying to get me. I've been hustled before. <laughs> and so, so, so long story short, she calls me back a day later. So uh, it's negative. I was like, What? 
She's like, yeah, he, his yard is cleared, and we just changed up his diet, and he's doing great. And so I, I casted all of this perception, and I was wrong. You know, in Luke chapter 24, Jesus had died, rose from the dead, but the disciples did not believe he was going to rise. We talked about that on Easter. If you missed that message, you can go back and check it out. But, but what was interesting, there were two, two guys, two disciples that were discouraged walking away from Jerusalem. They were, going to, on, they were on the road to Emmaus, which is seven miles outside of the city. And basically, they were just discouraged. They were despondent. They're like, man, we, we had hoped he was the one. They had a perceived betrayal. Like, God, you told us, you promised us, but now you're dead in a grave. And so Jesus, you know, does what he does. He shows up on the road with them and, and, and he keeps them from recognizing him. And he says, hey guys, what's going on? How you guys, what's, what's, what you got so, you look so downcast. They're like, don't you know what's happening in Jerusalem? Like they crucified Jesus. We had hoped he was the Messiah, but he's not. And so Jesus is the Messiah. All right. And, and so, so the, he continues to walk and and, uh, and walk with them, and he, and he gives them exactly what they need. He opens up their eyes to see that, no, you thought you were betrayed, but that was a perception that led to a deception. Not trying to be clever or rhyme, but that's just reality. It was a perception that led to a deception. It wasn't a betrayal at all. They just couldn't see the whole picture. And so some of us, we've really been betrayed. Some of us are battling a perceived betrayal. So what do we do and how do we navigate this? Well, Paul says this. Paul says in Romans 12 verses 21, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil with doing good. Now, if you've been betrayed right now, when I read this, you're like, yeah, whatever, dude. This is not like exciting to me. Okay, overcome evil with doing good. But, but, but it's really important because what Paul is saying, it's not that you try to stop feeling betrayed. It's you need to change your pursuit. You, you need, to, to, you need to, to change directions on, on what you're pursuing. Not just trying really, really hard to not feel mad anymore, not feel betrayed. No, no, no. You need to change your pursuit. And so I, I want to give you a, a couple questions to consider today. If you're wrestling with a, a betrayal, whether it's recently, whether it's in the past, maybe it's a, a perceived betrayal where things aren't going the way that you planned. And, and I'm gonna, it's going to work both offensively and defensively. So maybe you're not in that right now, but this is going to be some tools uh, to equip you, some questions that I want you to ask. First one's going to seem really, if you grew up in church at all, I'm, I'm going to put some on the screen, but you can't check out. You have to like lean in still. Is that okay? Because a lot of times church folks, you know, you know what we do? We like, oh, I already know this one, right? Uh, no, you don't. You don't know this one. So um, uh, is Jesus the love and Lord of my life? I want you to ask yourself that question. Is Jesus the love and Lord of my life? Because remember, if, if we don't deal with our betrayal, we may become the betrayer. Now, there's a lot of baby names that are popular today, and baby names today, they're, they're, they're getting like, you got like Matrix and, and, uh, and like Wood, you know, just something that just abstract. And, but, but there's one name that, that really, I'm not making this up, it's really, it's a not a popular name. And if you're, if you're named this or you have any family, uh, I'm not against the name. I'm just saying it's not very popular, so I'm not judging anybody. Uh, but, but Judas is not a, a household name right? Uh, for those of you guys who maybe you're new to church, you're like, who is Judas? Judas is the guy that betrayed Jesus um, and really sold him out. And then, you know, the cross happened and all that good stuff. So Judas is, it's not like, hey, honey, I mean, I, I was thinking, you know, I was, I was praying. I think we should name our kid Judas, you know, the one that betrayed the son of God. I think that's a great fit, right? And then, then some people, they're edgy. They're like, yeah, let's name our kid Judas. That sounds that sounds a little hardcore. Like, let's, let's do that. Um, but if you like the name, if you don't like the name, it's not, it's not very popular. And people have speculated, why did Judas betray Jesus? There's a lot of speculation. 
Uh, some say that he disagreed with them theologically. Some say that, that it, was, it was just easier. Like Judas was already uh, not uh, excited about the way that Jesus was handling things. He expected something different. And so it was popular belief, and the Pharisees would have his back. The religious leaders who wanted Jesus dead would have his back. So it was kind of like, hey, well, I'm getting permission from the church to sell this guy out, so maybe it's not such a bad idea, and I'm going to make some money on, on top of it. And so there's a lot of speculation, but the Bible's very clear that Satan had a part in it. And this is where a lot of times we kind of excuse Judas. Like, like, well, Satan had a big part of that, Pastor Matt. I mean, the Bible says that Satan entered him. I mean, Judas is like, I mean, he really didn't have much option, much choice. But, but I, I want to look at Judas's life just for a moment, because remember, if we don't deal with our betrayal, we may become the betrayer. My speculation, I, I, would, I would say this, is that Judas was excited about what, who he thought Jesus was. He just wasn't excited about the real Jesus. Like, he was excited. Like, we see that Judas, he liked, he liked his pocketbook. We're going to see in just a couple of minutes that he, liked, he, he loved him some money. And, and on, to, on top of that, I, I think Judas loved the idea of power, of conquer, of rule. The Messiah is here. I'm going to be a part of that. Like, this is, we're going to overthrow stuff. So I, I think Judas had a perceived betrayal that he, he portrayed Jesus to be, or he thought Jesus was going to be one way, but when he was walking with the real Jesus, he was like, man, I... I'm just not sure if, if, you know, you're who I thought you said you were. I thought it was going to look a lot differently. But let's look at Judas for a moment because before we cast judgment on him, I think it's really important that we, we look, look at this. Number one is that Judas was, he left everything just like the other 12 to follow Jesus. He was in ministry with Jesus. Matter of fact, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus sent Judas out along with the 12 um, to cast out demons, proclaim the kingdom. Judas was a he might have been a great preacher. But just because you're in ministry, have some spiritual gifts, and have, you know, had, had, have left some things uh, to, to pursue Jesus in a way where you're like, okay, well, yeah, I'm going to follow you and just kind of see what happens. Listen, none of that is gauges for spiritual health. Like, you could, like, I could, as your pastor, I could be doing all this stuff and still not be healthy spiritually. And that's why we see, we see, so, we see so, many, so many people who, who, man, I've seen the best of them fall. And because there, there comes a point where we, we can take the, the word of God and we can throw it out like this all day long. And God is still gracious. God still loves people. But if we're not doing this, then it's a slow erosion. And so I think this is what, what happened with Judas. In fact, I love what Colin Smith said. He says, with Judas's own eyes, he saw the clearest evidence. With his own ears, he heard the finest teaching. With his own feet, he followed the greatest example. And yet this man still betrayed Jesus. But, like, he saw, like he saw Jesus feed 5,000 with a couple, just some fish and some, some bread and some lo- loaves of bread and, and, a, and a couple of fish. Like, like he saw Lazarus raised from the dead. Judas saw the wind obey his voice. He heard the best sermons on the planet. He, he heard the sermons on the narrow road. That small and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few will find it. Like Judas, Judas is listening to this, yet his heart was still distant from the Lord. In Luke chapter 22, it says that Satan entered Judas. Um, in uh, Matthew, or John chapter 13, it says that Satan put it on Judas's heart to betray Jesus, and then it says later in John 13 that he entered Judas again. And so a lot of times people are like, well, see, Satan entered. It was like the devil made me do it. But Judas had, see, what we fail to see is that Judas had opened the door to the enemy far beyond that moment. 
In fact, we see right here uh, at a moment where Mary came and, and she, she, was, uh, she took the perfume, the expensive perfume, and she was pouring it out on Jesus, just expressing her worship to him. And this is Judas's heart. He's like, man, what a waste of perfume. We could have sold that money and given it to the poor. It was worth a year's worth of wages. But he, he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself. He was a thief who was about himself. So he had already opened up the door to, 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 to Satan. So it wasn't like all of a sudden, you know, Satan entered Judas and his head starts spinning. He's projectile vomiting and now he's like, you know, talking weird. No. Everyday life, the enemy found an open door. Whether it was his wounds, whether it was his perceived betrayal, whether it was his own brokenness and lust and sin, the enemy found a door. Judas opened that door. So the enemy already had a foothold in his life. The enemy is looking for those small, everyday things. Listen, when you are betrayed or when there's a perceived betrayal, if we're not careful, if he is not the love and Lord of our life, we will open up the door to the enemy. We will give him access where he does not need to have access. And the next thing you know, a slow erosion starts to happen. You know, when, when, when people... Uh, when people have a moral failure or, or when, when there's, you know, infidelity in a marriage, when, when a friend betrays a friend, when there's, there's all these different scenarios that we can talk about, a lot of times those, listen, those things just don't happen randomly. Like all of a sudden, there's a slow erosion. There's always, when you get underneath it all, there's some open doors that the enemy creeps in. And that's why when we talk about Jesus being the love of our life and Lord of our life, it's so important because the, James lets us know that the way that we resist the enemy is to submit our lives to the Lord. Submit your lives to the Lord, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But if he's not Lord of our life, all of a sudden, we become a little bit more tempted to do some other things. And so, so here, Jesus is at the table. There's one occasion Jesus is at the table reclining with his disciples, and he says, one of you guys is going to betray me. And every disciple, one by one, says, Lord, who is it, Lord? Is it me, Lord? And they all responded with Lord, except Judas. Judas responded to him like this. He said, then Judas, the, the one who would betray him, said, surely you don't mean me, rabbi. Not Lord, just rabbi. And Jesus answered, you have said so. See, for three and a half years, Judas walked with Jesus, and he never moved from, from rabbi to, to Lord. And that's why it's so easy to, to, to beat up on Judas, but many of us are in that same place. The Lord is a concept to us, and we love that he's our teacher, give us some good principles. We love that he's our friend. We want him to provide for us, but we just don't want him to be Lord over everything. Wow. And, and that's why practical teaching is so good, and we're super practical here, but, but we're also very careful. Let me explain. I'm giving you three questions. It's very practical, but it also forces you to go home and wrestle with God on your own. I have three girls, and they're all totally different. Like if I said, there's, no, there's not one formula that's going to work for all my kids. Like there are some overarching principles that we use in our home that, yeah, it works for all of them. But, but what I'm talking about in a relationship with my kids, there is a personal touch that I just know that's not going to work with Abby. That's not going to work with Oli. And so the temptation, if I just say, hey, here's three ways to, here, here's three points on how you get rid of betrayal. It may work for one of you, but others of you are wired a little bit differently. 
And so it's, it's, it's so important that you develop a love relationship with the Lord because you could get principles all day long and still, you could have him be rabbi, but not Lord. And when, when we're not living close and personal, the, the, the temptation that we face is we allow ourselves to open up the door to the enemy where we easily trade the Lord instead of trust him. And so, so God wants it to be personal. Like, you remember Peter in, in the end of John, John, the end of the gospel of John, Peter, Jesus told Peter, he said, Peter, you're going to die for me, man. Peter's like, what? What about John? And you know, you know what, you know what, you know what Jesus says? You know what Jesus tells him? Jesus says, what about him? If I want him to, to remain until I come, you follow me. It's about me and you, Pete. You follow me. And so, so can, can, I just, can I just encourage you, when we're dealing with betrayal or perceived betrayal, when life is, is not going the way that, that we planned, you got to ask the question, is, is he the love of my life and is he the Lord of my life? Is it personal? Because what Judas did was he traded instead of trusted because he wasn't the love of his life and the Lord of his life. He was a great rabbi, a great friend. Man, I love all the miracles. Great. But you're just not Lord. You're just not Lord. I love what I can get from you. I just don't love you. And the reason why it's so important we have this love relationship with God is because God's going to ask you to do some crazy things when you've been betrayed. Yeah. Or, or when life isn't going the way that you expected. Like we have a, a lady in our church. She's a dear friend of mine. I've known her for years. So inspired me. She calls me recently. And she said, Pastor Matt, the, the guy who murdered my brother is about to get out of jail. And she said, um, she said, you know, they asked the family, basically, almost like, what do you want to do? Because the family's influence can keep that person in for longer. And she said, Pastor Matt, I just feel that God wants me to extend grace to this guy and be a gospel witness to him, that I've forgiven him, and I want him to know. Like, like to the world, that's craziness. But she loves the Lord, and he's Lord of her life, and she'd rather trust than trade. And could you imagine what that means for this man? Redemption, when he doesn't deserve it. You, you, you don't think she's, she's felt betrayed? She can never get her brother back. But yet the Lord is prompting her and moving her. I'm telling you, if he's not Lord of your, of your life, and if, and if he's not the love of your life, you'll trade him every time. But if he is, you'll trust him in the process. The second thing is this. The second thing is, is my inner life the priority? So is Jesus the love of my life and Lord of my life? Second thing is, is my inner life the priority? See, Satan entered Judas's life. Like Satan wants, he wants a road on the inner. While you're focused on the outer, he may lure you with that, but he's looking to get on the inside. He wants to get into your head. He wants, to, he wants to plant some seeds of doubt, of unbelief, of distrust towards the Lord. Same thing he did to Eve. He does the same thing all the way back to Adam and Eve, the same thing he did all the way back in the garden. He still does today because he knows that if he can get an end that, and, and crush your spirit, man, he can get a stronghold on you. Or if you're crushed in spirit because you've been betrayed or you've been hurt, he lures us through our pain, our brokenness, our anger, our frustration. He's looking for those moments. Just looking for a door. The Bible says that anger gives him a foothold. So he's just like, and I'll just wait. Doors open. 
may not have full access, but I'll get it if you stay in this space. I'll get it. So let me walk you through how important our inner life is and how complex it is. Proverbs 18 verse 14 says, the spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? Now spirit in the Hebrew, it's the word ruach, means in the word pneuma in the Greek. And, and what it basically has this notion of is this force or this power, like a strong wind is how it's translated. But when it speaks about the spirit of man, it's almost like this passion and this zeal, this energy towards life. Like, like man, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm ready to take life by the horns. I'm ready to plow. I got vision. I'm walking with God. There's revelation. I've got dreams. God has birthed things on the inside of me. But when the spirit is crushed, it's the opposite. I'm discouraged. I'm full of doubt. I don't believe. I'm, I'm shaken. I don't, I, I just, ah. And so, so the Bible says very clearly that the spirit can sustain the body, but the body can't sustain the spirit. And so, so right here, the wisest man, Solomon, what is he saying to us? I know a lot of times we focus on outward circumstances and we think they're going to make us happy, but they can't ultimately. And so what he's saying is you can have everything going wrong on the outside, but if your spirit is solid, you can sustain but the opposite is true. You can have health and, and you can have money. You can have all these different things. But if your spirit is messed up, your body and the external things can't sustain it. Crushed. Are you, are you with me? That's why Paul, the apostle Paul, whenever he was preaching or, or writing letters to people that were going through tough stuff, I mean, they're being murdered for their faith. Paul never prayed for safety. He never prayed for protection. He prayed that God would strengthen them in their inner man. Because Paul knew, man, if they're solid on the inside, it doesn't matter what comes. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But if the spirit is strong, man, God is on the throne, you're going to sustain. So, so my question is, are you making more deposits inwardly as you are outwardly? And if you're dealing with betrayal or perceived betrayal, is the inner man even in your thoughts? Because this is where it starts. Proverbs goes on to say, 14 verse 30, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body, but jealousy is like cancer in the bones. Now, this word jealousy, i got to go through this quickly because we've got a lot to cover. But jealousy, it's like this word, it means it's a nuance of words. So it means anger, passion, envy, rivalry, like this zeal and angst of like, Ugh. And so, so what, what, is, what is the Lord getting at here is that our emotions can affect our body. And this isn't even just a Bible thing. Like studies have come out and shown that stress can really hurt you physically. Some of us are experiencing that. So when you're crushed, you've been betrayed, or life is just, it's not what you expected, you're, you're disappointed, you're let down, you start to feel it physically. And, and sometimes, sometimes the, the, the reversal is that your body, it can't sustain your spirit, but it can affect it. Meaning if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not getting enough rest, if you're not, if you're not, uh, if you're not eating properly, like all that stuff, can, and, and then you're going through a betrayal, or you're going through life, and it's tough. Like that is a huge portion of it. That makes a huge difference. For instance, me and Jackie were arguing this last week, and we're trying to, like, we're processing a lot, and and we're we're, we're just like, oh, we're tired because the dog, and and we're getting up early, all these different things. And I and I told her, I said, babe, man, I, I just, I think I need to sleep from like 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. and I think I'll be solid. Sure enough, 10 to 6, woke up, new man. She's like, it worked. Like, what in the world? This is amazing. And I just, I know my body now. I, 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 am, I am the most susceptible to the enemy creeping in when I'm tired. So I got to make sure that I keep myself. I, I got to make sure because it's not just about managing my time. It's about managing my energy and making sure that God is on the throne. My spirit is strong. 
but then I'm getting the proper rest. So, so let me just ask you this. What are you holding on to emotionally that's hurting you physically? And what are you not doing physically that's hurting you emotionally? This is how God wired you. This is not self-help. This is the Bible. So let me, let me uh, give you to another place. Worry weighs a person down, but an encouraging word cheers a person up. So can I just tell you, small groups for us is, is essential. Sunday mornings are great. Small groups are really where it's at. Like if you, if you were to tell me, if you were to say, Pastor Matt, what, which one should I pick? And you had a choice between Sunday or small groups. I hate to say this, but I'd rather have you in a small group. Because you're going to go over what I preached on the week before. But I want you at both, so don't get any, any outs. Like, hey, babe, see, I only have to go to small group. Don't do that. Don't do that. Both are important, and God is doing something in here as the word is being proclaimed. It's biblical. They, they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread. And, and what did they do? They went to the temple courts, and they also met from house to house. So both is biblical. Both is necessary. But, but what I'm saying is in our small groups, I tell our small group the same thing every, every week. I said, if you show up, if you be real, and you engage, and you take steps, you're going to grow. But a lot of times, we need people around us to help us in those areas. We need community around us. An encouraging word can go a long way because when you're dealing with betrayal or a perceived betrayal, many times you don't need a solution, but you do need some love and encouragement. Like you don't need somebody to come and solve the problem and be your counselor all the time. Sometimes you don't need that. You may need that in certain areas, but sometimes you just need an encouraging word. Like for instance, when Rick Warren's son committed suicide, Pastor Rick Warren, his son committed suicide, you know the people that showed up at his door was his small group. And you know what they said to him? They said, Rick, we're not leaving. That's all they said. They slept on his kitchen floor. They slept in his living room. They slept everywhere. They didn't say, they didn't try to fix it. They just said, those words were so life-giving to him because he just, he needed community. And it's in those spaces that sometimes people around us, they're outside of the betrayal. They're outside of the trees so they can speak into it from a different place. And, and sometimes our perceived betrayal, they can help clear that up. Like that's, you're not thinking right. Like that, that's, that's not healthy for you to think. Are you, are you with me on that? There was a study done uh, not too long ago to see how much people can tolerate pain. And what they did is they put, your, they put people's feet in an ice bucket. The people that had a community around them encouraging them were able to endure twice as long. And that, can I just say, that's just a biblical principle. That, that's vital. We were designed for community. Who in your life is your community. But can I just tell you, you can be like Judas if you're not careful and show up to a small group, but still not totally, but, but not be real and not open up yourself to other people and, and also share your story with others because people need your story. That's a whole nother sermon. I can't preach it right now. But um, Proverbs 28 verse one says, the wicked flee though no one pursues them. So on the inside of us, it, it's, not just, um, it's not just simply physically or, or emotionally or um, or, or even uh, wrestling with those two things, but it's, there's also a moral aspect to God wanting to restore our life. When you're not living right, you know it. When you're living in sin or rebellion towards God, like you may have been in church your whole life and you know that you're harboring bitterness, you know it. And then what ends up happening is it, it, it gives you a bad conscience. And can I just say, if you're dealing with betrayal or a perceived betrayal and you're holding on to a bad conscience, oof, that's, 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 that's not living. That's existing. Right? And then all of a sudden you get very, you get very defensive. You get, you get all of a sudden somebody say, how are you doing? What do you mean? <laughs> I was saying, how are you doing? What do you, what, what do you, why, what do you, how do you think I'm doing? 
Uh, and you flee when nobody pursues you. So let me just ask you, where is your conscience violated? You got to deal with that. A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but a heartache crushes the spirit. What does this mean? The heart and the spirit in the scriptures, it refers to uh, a different, they're, they're different in this. The heart represents the core commitments where we're putting our hope, where we're putting our trust, where we're like what we're living for, what we're hoping in. And so our heart is always set on something because we were created to worship. So we will always worship something. And if the Lord is not on that place of worship, it's going to hurt us. Because what happens is as long as that something is going well, we're good. But the moment that something crumbles, we're crushed. And so that's why it says hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Meaning, meaning if, if the Lord is not the, not the center of your inner man, and we're not dealing with all of these aspects with him, I'm telling you, you're going to be let down. He's the only one that's unchanging. Everything else is subject to change. He doesn't change. And the beauty is this, is that you and I are made in the image of God. And so, so I, I want you to get this in your mind. You're not just a body. You're not just emotions. People, books will tell you that. No, you're super complex. And if we're not living before the Lord in all these ways, I just promise you we're going to live crushed in some areas of our life and we'll probably trade him instead of trust him. You're complex. You're unique. You're beautiful. In fact, Proverbs 14.10 says, each heart knows its own bitterness and no one else can share its joy, meaning no one's going to ever fully know you. I remember when I was battling with anxiety really, really bad, and I would try to explain it to people. They're like, yeah, yeah, oh. I'm like, you don't get it. They're just, they're just not going to know you 100%, right? But then here, look at this. All the person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord, meaning you don't even fully understand yourself. Only the Lord knows. You are so complex and so unique that no one will ever completely understand you. You will never fully understand yourself. It's only the Lord that gets it all. And so to try to do life apart from him will be a lonely journey in some places because you're that complex, that complex. So my last thing is this. With all of that being said, why do you talk so much about the inner man? Because I want you to see the complexity that dealing with betrayal is not easy. Like when we're battling stuff in life, it's not easy, but you desperately need Jesus and you desperately need people around you. Why? Because the goal is to trust him and not trade him. And that's the question that I want to leave you with. Will we trade him or will we trust him? You know, Judas betrayed him. Judas traded instead of trusted, but Joseph, all the way back in Genesis, he did the opposite. Now, if anybody had a right to feel betrayed, it was Joseph. I mean, Joseph didn't have a perceived betrayal. He was really betrayed. His brother sold him into slavery for 20 pieces of silver. He was then bought as a slave, worked his way up to the top, was an honorable man. And then the, the, the gentleman Potiphar who bought him, his wife wanted to sleep with Joseph. And Joseph said, I'm not going to dishonor him like that. No way. And then she accused him of rape. He went into prison. And then in prison, he's still just trying to survive. God had given Joseph a dream at the beginning of his life that he would rule over Egypt. But then it's like, God, you told me this, but then my life looks like nothing but betrayal. So then he gets thrown into prison for something he didn't do. And even in there, he's interpreting people's dreams because he's a man of God. And, and there, there was a cupbearer, a cupbearer that was a cupbearer to, to Pharaoh. 
And Joseph interpreted one of the dreams in that prison and said, man, you're going to go back to Pharaoh. Like, you're going to be released from here. You're going to go back to Pharaoh. And Joseph said, please don't forget about me. And guess what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 40? That the cupbearer forgot about Joseph. I mean, at every angle, he was just betrayed after betrayed. And then Pharaoh has a dream, and he's interpreting Pharaoh's dream all while waiting on his own. Like, God, you've given me interpretations for all these people, but you've given me a dream, and my life is full of betrayal. How many of you guys know at that point there's a perceived betrayal against God? Like, what? I, I just don't see it. God, you promised this. But the difference of Joseph and Judas was Joseph trusted instead of traded. And as a result, what happened? Interpreted Pharaoh's dream. Pharaoh's like, bro, I want you on my team. Put him a second charge of command, just like the Lord had said. And because of the wisdom that God gave Joseph, he saved the land from a seven-year famine and provided in a time where it was empty. So Joseph's brothers show up because they're hungry. And what happens? Joseph sees them. Joseph messes with them a little bit. Like, you got to mess with them a little bit. Like, you did me super dirty. I'm going to mess with you a little bit. But then Joseph says this. Joseph says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Things I learned about Joseph is Joseph always kept the right spirit. Same thing with Joshua and Caleb. It says, how were they able to see different than everybody and not be moved by the giants in the land? It says they had a different spirit. They had a spirit that trusted over traded. And so, so, so jo- Joseph was like, man, God, this, this was so much bigger than me. It wasn't even about me. I thought the dream was for me. I was going to rule in Egypt, but it was really about the, the lives of many people. And so his brothers are like, what are you going to do with us? And what does he do? He extends grace. He provides. He loves them. He serves them. It's, it's such a beautiful picture of Jesus. Jo- Joseph is a great foreshadow of Jesus to come. Because the reality is this, it's easy to put our, ourselves in Joseph's shoes and say, well, I'm going to forgive. But I think before we can put ourselves in Joseph's shoes, we first have to put ourselves in the brother's shoes because we have all betrayed God. Some of us are living in that betrayal right now. And we're showing up and we're hungry. And that betrayal put him on the cross. What looked like a defeat was really a provision for a spiritual famine that all of, all of us face apart from him. And so, so you and I first need to see this beautiful reality is that just like the brothers, we showed up and God said, I'm not gonna hold it against you. I'm gonna take your punishment. I'm gonna take the wrath. You betrayed me, but I'm gonna take the hit and I'm gonna provide for you. I'm gonna love you. I'm gonna serve you. I'm gonna extend grace to you. And it's in light of that, that my friend in our church can look at this person that murdered her brother and say, in light of all that God has done for me, I can do it for you. So before we can put ourselves in Joseph's shoes to forgive, we have to first put ourselves in the brother's shoes to see that we have been forgiven immensely. And then that moves us. doesn't make it easy, but it makes it easier to say, I want to extend that same love, grace, and provision to you. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, as we wrap up our time, I know that there are some that are dealing with a lot of pain today. Even as I'm speaking, Lord, it's just resonating. Life is just not going how I thought it would go. My marriage is not kids or there's been a great betrayal friendship spouse a parent a leader and lord you want to bring healing today so listen if you're here today and you say pastor matt i, I don't have a I, I i need god i need him to provide because i my inner man is all messed up definitely trading over trusting it's definitely not lord none of that. 
but I need him today. If you're here and you say, Pastor Matt, I, I want to surrender my life to Jesus today. I, I want to receive the free gift, the provision, the forgiveness, the grace, and the healing that can only come from him. Can I just tell you, listen, people aren't going to fully understand, and you're not going to fully understand, but he totally understands. So if you need to surrender your life to him, maybe you've been away from him and you need to come back home, would you just slip up your hand if you're here and just say, Pastor Matt, I need to go all in today. I need God to heal my heart. I need God to refresh me. I need God to restore me. I know in this setting it can be a little uncomfortable, so I'm going to pray this prayer. And if that's you, I want you to pray with me. And if you're online, pray the same. Say, Lord Jesus, come on, let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, today I surrender. I need you. I confess you as my Lord and as my Savior. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I need your love. I need your mercy. And I surrender today. Heal my heart. Help me to to extend that same love, that same forgiveness, same mercy to those that have hurt me. Bind up my wounds. Heal my crushed spirit. And help me to follow you with all that I am. I want to love you with all of my heart, and I confess you as Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, can we give the Lord a big hand? Thanks again for joining us here at Fountain Church. For more details on how to get connected, visit us at fountainchurch.cc. We're also on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll see you next time.